Hey everybody, welcome to Swedenborg and Life Live. I'm Curtis, I'll be your host. This is Dr. Jonathan Rose. Um, hey I Curtis. I think you're over here. Do you want to shake hands? Sure. Good to see you. Good to see you, buddy. How's the family? All right. Today we're going to be looking at why does the Bible say that we are gods? Because look mm. at us. There, you're, you're like starting out, you're like, okay, this guy's already making some corny joke. They're pretending to shake hands. They don't even know where each other's hands are. How are you going to say that these two people, are, along with the rest of the human race, are gods? What does that even mean, right? Um, and this was, ba- and no offense, Dr. Jonathan Rose. Um, no, if I, anybody's, not the, it's you know, it's, it's a strange idea that we're all gods, but you're the closest one for sure. Um, this is based on a, a viewer question as all these Swedenborgian Life Lives have been, uh, we did a show called The Gates to Heaven and Hell. And Ricky Lee asked, he said, Mr. Childs, which I think like, ooh, look at me, I've, I've moved up, now I'm Mr. Childs. Would you and Dr. Rose consider a show on Psalm 82? God, gods, and the council. Does it relate to Revelation 5, 8 and to the 24 elders? So a mm. lot of biblical stuff in there. And it may be stuff... Y'all know it may not be, but within there is this statement a couple times that that people are gods, right? And what what does that mean, Jonathan? Are you ready to tackle that? Well, it's deep, but uh, I'm willing to give it a shot. Okay, so let's get into our main section here, where we'll touch on these other areas and really dissect Psalm 82. So see if we can figure out like, oh. What does it mean? To, we, there's got to be something. I mean, we got to be gods in some sense, or else they couldn't just say it. But it doesn't seem like we're God, God. So where do we fall, and how is that useful? That's what we're going to find out right now. So we're going to start actually not in Psalm 82, dun, 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 but we're going to start with a dramatic scene in the Gospel of John. Dr. Rose, would you do us the honors? Be delighted. This is in John chapter 10. So the Jews gathered around Jesus and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, and you don't believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me. The Father and I are one. The Jews took up stones again to stone him. Wait, hold on. Okay, don't ask the question <laughs> if you're not prepared for the answer. For the answer. Just, just say, it. you're not the Messiah. Don't say, are you? <laughs> yes, I am. I'm going to hit you with rocks now. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah they, they, they seem to have an answer already in mind. <laughs> like, Jesus. just like, yeah, you're, you're whoever it is saying like, well, yeah, what the, the classic, like, how do you think this outfit makes me look? There's already an answer. Right? There's already an answer. <laughs> That's right. Tread carefully. Okay. Okay. Jesus replied, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these are you going to stone me? The Jews answered, it's not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy. Because you, though only a human being, are making yourself God. You see, in ancient Judaism, there was a, you know, a big distinction, as there is in Swedenborg's world, between God and, and human beings. It's not exactly the same thing. Oh, this, and this Jesus, is, we're starting to get into it, because we are, isn't this whole show about how we are gods, but they're saying, this is a big no-no for you, Jesus, the human, which is what they're thinking of him as, to say that you're God. This is crossing a line. 
Yeah, and his answer is really interesting to me. Jesus answered, is it not written in your law, meaning what we know as the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, I said you are gods. Oh, gods plural. If those to whom the word of God came were called gods, and the Scripture cannot be annulled, can you say that the one whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world is blaspheming? Because I said, I am God's son. If I'm not doing the works of my father, then don't believe me. But if I do them, even though you don't believe me, believe the works so that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I am in the father. Their response, then they tried to arrest him again, but he escaped from their hands. Arrest is better than getting stoned, but still, is this sort of complex legal battle they're having and it revolves around scripture and there's a lot to unpack in there um but i want to like focus on how he presents the works that he does as evidence uh, of the presence of the father in him that he's not just saying don't you know who i am he's saying look at what i'm doing this shows that the father is in me and that that we're one and that's a clue for our topic tonight and how we can understand this idea of that he, Jesus is quoting it. You can't say like, that's, you know, now you can't say it's blasphemy to say that we are gods because Jesus is saying it and Jesus is God. So, okay, we've got drama. Where are we going to go with this, Jonathan? Yes. And the, uh, that whole idea that, um, that he points to his own doing as a way that God is present in him is really interesting, isn't it? And that scripture that he was referring to in the Old Testament was our very own Psalm 82 that the viewer asked about. So let's uh, read that. It's just eight verses long. Okay. Let's dive in here. God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, with a lowercase g, Hmm. he holds judgment. And then there's a quote, How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Selah. Give justice to the weak and the orphan. Maintain the right of the lowly and the destitute. Rescue the What is the Selah? When, when people say Selah, is that just like a poetic turn or what, what does that mean? Do you know? I think scholars have really wrestled with what it's sort of been lost in the ages of time, what exactly that means. It's some sort of a like a paragraph return or something. It's some sort of yeah. a pause, but but I, I'm not sure if people know what it means. I, I don't know what it means. Okay, Ir- irrelevant to this show, but I just thought, well, I had you on the line, I'd give it a shot. Right. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that is interesting. You'll see that in the Psalms. I think it only comes up in the Psalms, but at the okay. end of a thought, it'll say, say law. And it seems like, uh, you know, it's the truth or, or something like that. Right. Give justice to the weak and the orphan. Maintain the right of the lowly and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. And that's where this quote ends. But then the psalm continues. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk around in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I say, you are gods, children of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, yeah. you shall die like mortals and fall like any prince. Rise up, O God, judge the earth, for all the nations belong to you. 
interesting combination of presence God is giving to us there, or, or to whoever is assembled. You are God's. Children of the Most High. Now, you all think, hearing that we're all children of God, that's pretty normal. I, I don't know what, yeah, I guess if you're the, the child of a smith, you're a smith as well. But the idea that, that okay, you're gods, but nevertheless, you're going to die like mortals. and fall. So it's like, you're gods, but you're not going to live the life of God. So before yeah, digging the, into the deeper, oh, go ahead. Well, the implication there is that the... Uh, that you're actually supposed to be gods, and it's sort of a disappointment that you're only going to end up like mere mortals. It's interesting, isn't it? Talk about setting the bar too high. Like, ah, yeah. Uh, yeah, my heavenly father is disappointed in me because I didn't turn out to be a god. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I died in the end, and you know, yeah. that was a shame. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, he's embarrassed. My mom's proud of me, though. Uh, be- before digging into the deeper meaning of this psalm. We have to understand what God's means in the Bible. Yes, it's, that would it's help. semantics. What are we talking about? And that's isn't that the crux of this show? And to understand that, we have to understand the reason for the different names of God in the Hebrew of the Hebrew scriptures. Can you can you take us through that? Sure. Well, there were sort of two grand camps. There are all kinds of names and epithets, but they sort of fall into two categories. And the, the two main ones that you'll hear are... Uh, it's actually sometimes just spelled Y-H-W-H, like a transliteration called the Tetragrammaton. It's the four letters. And that's often pronounced Yahweh or Yehovah or Jehovah. Now, uh, to, to Jewish people, they wouldn't even pronounce that name because it was considered so so holy. And that's usually translated the Lord. When you see it in the Bible, it'll have the Lord and then small caps for the O-R-D. It sort of stands out. Because there's another right. word that's used for the Lord as a regular thing. And Swedenborg says whenever it's talking about Yahweh or Jehovah, it's talking about the divine essence, the divine beingness, the divine life, sort of that underlying reality and love. Then the other category is El and Elohim, uh, which is usually translated God. Both of those words, El or Elohim, are translated God. And that means, says Swedenborg, divine truth, divine power that comes from divine truth, and divine ability to act. So you kind of have that underlying reality, and then you have the operation or the action that the Elohim is. And El, just one more Hebrew note, if you can stand it, El is singular, (laughs) but Elohim is the plural, because it means the one God's ability to act through many different kinds of truth, through many different angels, and even through the higher minds of people who are in the universe, in the physical world. Well, you can't just say, well, I don't want to hear another factoid about that, because the last thing you just said, it's absolutely crucial to our understanding of gods in the Bible and what it's talking about. In Secrets of Heaven 300, Swedenborg writes that, Jehovah God, or the Tetra, what was it, Tetragrammaton? Grammaton, yeah. <laughs> Grammaton uh, means the Lord and at the same time heaven. The Lord and at the same time heaven. Wow. So that... things are starting to get a little bit wild because, yeah, what is heaven? And as we get into looking at what makes heaven heaven, what makes all this the goodness and truth that pours through angels, what mm. the state that we call heaven, the whole thing, 
you know, who's in there? What, what's it running on? It, there's sort of a blurry line between you the could, Lord and heaven. You know, it, it would be understandable if every time you saw Jehovah God or the Lord God or things like that in the Bible, you were thinking it was talking about God <laughs> and not <laughs> yeah. God and or heaven. You know, right. uh, it's very interesting. And so sometimes you will see God with a lowercase g in the Bible, and that means an angel or a person who is letting in God's goodness, letting that truth and power flow through them. So where does God end and we begin? You know, it gets, gets a little blurry there. Well, let's pick it apart. This is a couple of quotes saying more about this. The first from Secrets of Heaven. L symbolizes truth in will and deed, which is identical with truth-based goodness, just in mm. case you want to know. Elohim is plural, because divine truth means everything true that comes from the Lord. Sometimes the word also calls angels Elohim or gods. Now, since on the highest level, El and Elohim symbolize the Lord's truth, they also symbolize his power. Truth is what power is attributed to because goodness works through truth when wielding power. Where the world, word is dealing with the power yielded by truth, the Lord is called El and Elohim, or God. For the same reason, El in the original language also means a strong person. Because oh, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah, you, well, you're saying that all the power is through truth, and all the real, all the truth ultimately that's actually true comes out of God. So even a strong person, in a spiritual sense, you're, you, it's God's power there in you. Okay, so plot thickening. Right. And, and Swedenborg talks about the fact that um, with our heart and our, our lungs, um, the lungs are what give you, you have to have a heartbeat, but it's the lungs that give you consciousness. If you get knocked out mm. or, 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 you know, whatever, you lose consciousness, um, that's the truth side that gives you that power to act. You know, if you've been right. winded or something in a, in a game, uh, you you really can't do a heck of a lot a, until you get over that condition. Yeah, just to um, prove it, I'm going to hold my breath, try to hold my breath for the rest of the show, and we'll see how I do. <laughs> see if it gets better or worse. Right. So Swedenborg continues in Secrets of Heaven, uh, number 300. In ancient times, each angel or spirit who spoke to people on earth, they called a god if they considered that angel or spirit to be capable of accomplishing something. Again, it's just like Wait, what Jesus said, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's talking about, so hey, you're, you're a God, like a small version, if you can get something done, that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And that, and, and you, I think back to Jesus saying, hey, look at my works. That's how you can tell whether there's godly power flowing through here or not. And his the works that he did were astonishing, these miracles right. and everything. Uh, Swedenborg goes on, human beings are also called gods by virtue of their power, as in, hello, Psalms 82, verse 6, which is what we're talking about today, and also John 10, verses 34 and 35, which we also read. That was Jesus talking about, we're you know, it. that blasphemy that they were worried about. And Swedenborg throws in another really interesting example I'd forgotten about. Moses was called a god to Pharaoh. Exodus 7, verse 1, you can look that up, and it says, God even says to Moses, I've made you like a god to, to Pharaoh, and Moses mm. was very powerful. For the same reason, the Hebrew word for God, Elohim, is plural. 
angels have no power at all on their own, however. Here we go. Oh, very important caveat that it's not talking about the angels being all high on themselves and, you know, or something. Uh, they, they come from a very humble place as they themselves confess, but they only receive that power from the Lord. Because of this, and since there's only one God, Jehovah God in the word means the Lord alone. But here we go, drum roll, please. But when anything occurs through the ministry of angels, as in Genesis 1, which is a creation story, then the plural is used. Ah, so you get angels into the mix, and now you talk about the plural. Interesting. Swedenborg, Swedenborg often talks about us as being like an instrument, like a tool. And so you have this um, power, but it, none of it resides in the angels. But God can use them to accomplish something. It's just like if you have, we just actually had an electrician working here yesterday mm. and so he's got a drill and he's got i don't even know what the other things let's say he's got a little you know staple gun where he's stapling wires in right you don't say right. okay you know when, when he's using the drill he's using the staple gun it's all him you don't at the end say like yeah, who, who put that outlet in well it was the electrician and the staple gun and the drill <laughs> The drill deserves a lot of credit here. <laughs> it, it was, so in the same way, yeah, it's still God. God may be using this angel to do it, but all the power to do that and the will is God. So, and, and angels actually love that. You may think that the angels would be a little miffed to say, you're going to demote me to a, being a drill. But angels have no, they have no delusions of grandeur. They, they don't mm. actually get joy from believing that they are the, hey, look, I'm important. That's not what the joy of heaven is. They can actually have amazing amounts of wisdom and power, but they know where that comes from. Uh, this is mm. Secrets of Heaven 4295. And this is cool getting into what it's like to be an angel because you, you guys are all headed there. All right. Angels do enjoy the highest wisdom and understanding, but all of their wisdom and understanding comes from the Lord and his divinity. Left to themselves and their own devices, they have none. Mm. So the more truth and goodness they receive from the Lord's divinity, the wiser and more discerning they are. So they can, they can really get up there, but it's coming from somewhere. Angels themselves admit openly that on their own, they have no wisdom or understanding. They even become upset if others attribute any to them. They know and sense that to take credit for it would be to deny the divine his divinity and lay claim to what is not theirs, which would be to commit the crime of spiritual theft. So angels are upset if, on the playground, right? Ah, Tommy just said that I have love and wisdom from myself. Stop, right? This is not something that they're looking for at all. It's not that you're feeling like, man, if God gets all the credit around here, if only I got a little bit of that. It's not something that they're interested in. Look, and this is the, this is going farther than that. Angels also say that everything of their own is evil and false, mm. whether they inherited it or acquired it by their life and deeds in the world when they lived there. They are not dissociated from or rinsed clean of the evil and falsity and absolved in the process. No, it all remains with them, but the wow. Lord withholds them from it and anchors them in goodness and truth. This every angel confesses. So. This mm. is uh, driving home this fascinating concept that Swedenborg 
iterates and reiterates and re-reiterates over and over, which is everything good is from the Lord, everything evil is from hell. Even though he's saying it's from the own there, everything that we make our own that's evil is coming up from hell. So what it's what it's making me think is that the uh, this is actually the formula, like it seems like a formula. Right. The more the right. angels think they're doing things themselves, the less powerful are the things they can do under those circumstances. Uh, the the more they're in touch with the truth, that of themselves they're nothing to write home about. Then all this beautiful stuff can flow through them. And let me say. To acknowledge a single source of um, ability and a single being that's really worthy of credit is a happier psychological state for a big group of conscious beings than the one we currently live in, where ah. it's this competitive. Not everybody feels this is bothered by this, maybe, but. The idea that, okay, this person's better than me at that. Oh, I get to be better than you. Who's the best at this? Um, I'm going to block you. Like I have this thing that would really help a lot of people, but I'm not going to distribute it because then I wouldn't get my patent. Whatever it is, actually to have everybody say, wow, God is really doing this. I don't want to, mm. I don't want credit for that. I want to um, give credit to God. That is much happier. You may initially have a little sticker shock. Wait, I'm giving up what? But that is a much happier way for human beings to live in association than unless you love the world how it is. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's not too much of a stretch. That's a great no one point. Is, no one is allowed to enter into heaven. Hey, I, don't give me credit for that point. <laughs> no one is allowed to into heaven without knowing and believing it. People who do not do so cannot enjoy the light of wisdom and understanding that radiates from the Lord, which means that they cannot enjoy goodness and truth. You want to be happy. You want to be peaceful. You're not going to be able to get it unless you get this key principle that replace ego with admiration and love of the good that God does. It's complex, more complex than that, but that's, that's sort of your ID card to get into heaven. That's really interesting, and it also kind of begs the question, well, then why is he talking about people as being gods? Isn't that, that going to go in the wrong ear or something? Right. It's just interesting to think about. So maybe if we pick up that first verse in the psalm and think about that, uh, to go over that again, it says, God, or Elohim, has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. And other translations will render that divine council as the congregation of God, the assembly of God, the representatives of God, that sort of thing. Got it. And if you want to hear a little bit about what God means in this instance, Swedenborg's got your back. He says, in the word, angels are called gods from time to time, and they are so called on account of their truth and goodness. In the Psalms, for instance, God stood in the assembly of God in the midst of gods. He passed judgment. The assembly of God and the gods obviously mean heaven with its angels on account of their oh, truth and goodness. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. I see, of course. I should have known that. <laughs> well, yeah, right, right, right. Foolish. <laughs> Foolish of us. But <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so if we're talking about goodness and truth all coming from the Lord, you've got a piece of the Lord in you. You got it, or you're, you're, you're uh, what's a good example? Like you've, like you're opening up your bag and you take out something that, 
the Lord made, right? This is, you've got a bit of the Lord with you, right? Not that God is divisible, but you are a channel. You're like a, a tube that is allowing God to escape. How about those metaphors? That, that's right, because the, uh, like we're not born into this world uh, knowing all this great stuff. We, we learn it over right. time. Right. And so that's kind of that access to the divine being gradually established and built in us. And right. it's and there's an interesting element in it too, which is that there's a a response, like we could say, no, I don't want that. Uh, the angels are particularly called that because they're willing to embody that divine truth that the gods, you know, that, that that's what that's referring to. Swedenborg says in Apocalypse Explained 3.13, angels are called gods from the divine truth that they receive from the Lord. For God in the word means the Lord in respect to divine truth proceeding from him and constituting heaven. And that's a very interesting point that Swedenborg makes in some other places that uh, it's actually that kind of structure of truth that is the structure of heaven that actually constitutes heaven and the angels just populate it. And so in that mm. highest sense, the gods are those divine truths themselves that angels are receptive to, that they're open to bringing into their minds more and more over time. Wow, yeah. So, so Psalm 82 is describing God speaking from the midst of heaven, in the midst of all these angels, and what's the same thing? I mean, what, what are those angels gathered around? The, the center of all divinely true concepts. So back to our question from Ricky Lee, who asked if this council is the same as the 24 elders in the book of Revelation. Yes, correspondentially, both mean all the angels in heaven and the mindset of heaven. And I love this interchangeability that Swedenborg gives. You can talk about heaven as being composed of a bunch of angels, but really what heaven is, is these certain bits of goodness and truth, because that's what's making those people angels. And one of them we're hearing is this acknowledgement that goodness and truth comes from the Lord. That's a truth that you can't necessarily tell with your senses, but what, acknowledging that puts you in heaven. So it's fair to say, what is heaven composed of? One thing it's composed of is that truth that everything good and true comes from heaven. Mm. <laughs> so if you, if you want to look at more symbolism of these 24 elders, we did a show called The Throne Room of Heaven. We were digging into the book of Revelation. So take a look at that. And in Psalm 82.1, God is speaking from the midst of heaven and truth, but who is he talking to, right? Yes, exactly. Good question. And um, we did a show recently, you and I, called The Meaning of the 23rd Psalm. Mm -hmm. And in that show, we introduced this uh, manuscript work that Swedenborg didn't publish himself during his lifetime called The Inner Meaning of Prophets and Psalms. But Deep cut. it yep. goes very quickly through all the, it's a lot of material, all the prophets, uh, Isaiah to Malachi, plus the Psalms, and will tell you briefly, these three verses mean X. Those two verses mean Y. Pretty quick, not getting into all the symbolism. For contrast. Uh, but that's very helpful when you need to know what's in Psalm 82. Yeah, I was going to say, for contrast, uh, the entire, what, 12 to 15 volumes, depending on translation, of Secrets <laughs> of Heaven just gets you through Genesis and Exodus, right? That's or, right. Or, or not even all of Exodus. Is it all of Exodus? It's all of Exodus. I mean, he sort of quits about five chapters before the end. But yeah, it's almost all of Exodus. 
Right, right. Yeah, so um, from mm. so we'll give you some of Swedenborg's outline in that work about the meaning of this psalm. So in Psalm 82, verse 1, it says, God, Elohim, has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of the gods he holds judgment. Swedenborg writes, the Lord is speaking to the church, which has the word. The word makes it possible for people to have divine truth. So heaven uh. is the people tuned into God in the spiritual world. The church is the people trying to follow God's truth and goodness here in the world. So the, he's talking to us in that, right? Right. And so that answers your question before of who, who is this talking to? Uh, and what follows after verse 1 is a quote. And it seems that that quote is a message addressed to people, quote unquote, on the earth, which really means the people of the church. And that's the church is a broad term. It's any kind of uh, receptivity to spirituality, to religion in all its different forms. Yeah. People who the, have access to divine truth. Perpetual disclaimer, which is that the church is something inside your heart and mind. It's not an external organization. It's right? not a building. It's not. Yeah, that's right. And they are also to be called gods or agents of God. And Swedenborg discusses another meaning of gods in the Bible, again, getting a little abstract. In Apocalypse Revealed, he says, gods are what those people who possess divine truths from the Lord are called, and in an abstract sense, the truths themselves. So, yep, okay, if you really had to tease it apart, it's that truth that's in your mind that is God. It's not you per se. It, it's that truth that's sitting there in your mind that you've formed a relationship with. That's the God part. Well, what did it say about angels before? Angels have negative stuff in them. Yeah. From their life in the world. And it's what, what makes them angels, what makes them in heaven is that God keeps them focused on the goodness and truth. So it really is the truth. And in any one of us, look, I, I sit around and, and you do as well. We, we talk about Swedenborgy stuff uh, to people. We, we know a fair amount about it. But I'm listen, if, if I'm not holding and using those concepts, you know, I'll slip into any bad ego-based, fear-based mood you can you can name, right? It's yeah. there. It's if I'm if it doesn't matter how much factual knowledge, how how much truth you've got stuffed away in there. If you're not if you're not bringing it to the forefront, if you're not living by it, it's not going to bring you safety or relief from the the states of life. And that safety or relief is what I would call heaven. So it is the truth that that makes heaven. It even happened in to the, me one time. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Uh, no, in the next kidding. three verses... It was terrible. God, God, God confronts people of the church who are not fulfilling that role and potential. Okay, so you've got this love and truth, but you're not using it or something. So in Psalm 82, 2-4, How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Selah. Give justice to the weak and the orphan. Maintain the right of the lowly and the destitute. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. And the inner meaning is people of the church should not do what is evil. They should do what is good. I never thought almost, of that. It's almost hilarious on its face. But then again, it's profound. Because why, why when we talk about the church, you and I right now, we had to say, now listen, church is not a single organization. It's a state of yeah. you know, heart or mind inside you. Because so many people have a negative association with various church organizations because you can get a lot of people in those things who are not doing what's good, right? You so shouldn't it's have actually, to 
Yeah. Yeah, you, sh- yeah. you shouldn't have to say it, but you do. <laughs> like there's a lot of bad stuff that happens in the name of churches and so on. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah, it really is true. And then verse 5 after that speech describes the drastic results of neglecting that call to be agents of God's love and mercy on earth. So you remember it said all of you are gods, right? So keep yep. in mind this this symbolism and particularly one particular point we want to cover is that the foundations of the earth often in scripture Swedenborg says the earth means what he calls the church. So that's the foundations right. of the church. So that verse 5 reads they have neither knowledge nor understanding, which they probably should have. They walk around in darkness, which they probably shouldn't do. And all the foundations of the earth are shaken. And Swedenborg says this means because the people are not doing what is good, the church is tottering. Tottering. Oh, there you, you go. don't want to be you don't want to be tottering. Whatever you do not there's nobody. Be tottering. Some people will say it's fine. <laughs> I, I don't mind appearing weak. I'm secure. So nobody wants to be tottering. <laughs> no. So another, That's right. another quote about that, that that mentions tottering as well. This is Secrets of Heaven. Plainly, it is not the earth's foundations that totter. You know, the earth, the earth is a is a ball. You know, it's it's the pretty earth's solid. Foundations, yeah. But rather, the church's truth among people who do not realize, do not understand, and walk in the dark. You can have um. a bunch of scripture around you, but without that foundation. It, the whole thing could be collapsing, even if you don't realize it. Yeah, if you don't have that truth, then you are walking in the dark because that's what would guide your actions and your emotions, right? Right. And so in verses 6 and 7, uh, the people were given the means of being channels of God's presence, and that would have brought them eternal life, but the people are not receptive to it. So here's Psalm 82, verses 6 and 7. I say, you are gods, children of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, you shall die like mortals and fall like any prince. And Swedenborg explains this very briefly as just meaning, therefore, even though they have the word, they will perish, meaning spiritually. Hmm. Yeah, right. So it's a little bit harsh, right? But but true, and but it gets it gets you wondering, you know, why is there this sort of harshness in it, and why why would the Bible <clears throat> even use hierarchical language talking about gods and a prince or a ruler? Isn't it that look only God is good? We're all we're not just going on and on about how great it can be when we realize no one's better than anyone else. Why is the Bible making it sound like people are better or worse than each other? Yeah, if angels are sort of become angels because they're so humble and they understand that everything comes from God, why this sort of, I don't want to call it flattery, but it's powerful, but it's that, hey, you're all, you're all gods, you're all children of the Most High. And yeah. uh, Swedenborg explains, he has a passage that I'm hoping you'll read because it's pretty long, but uh, the, that this is in order to reach people See, we all have to start out somewhere. Like the Bible isn't just for advanced. It's not just graduate school. It's, it's for all levels, right? And so for, it's also trying to reach people who are prone to focusing more on doctrine than on love. Now, that sounds fine. We'll just focus on doctrine instead of love. 
but that actually has quite an effect uh, on your priorities if love is not in charge. And so this kind of passage we'll see from this quote is an example of the Lord's mercy that he's willing to reach out to humanity in whatever outer form will get our attention, will work best, will motivate motivate us to get to that next step. Well, so pay attention to this, because if you're looking at what, let's get a little glimpse into the attitude, the personality of God, because you may think that there's an aspect of God who says, I am divine truth and I will not compromise for any mortal. And what I will right. do is show the glory of my truth. And if they can't hack it, that's their issue because I don't have that's problems. Right. Look at how the Lord is bending over backwards here, mm. to, like bending the rules, basically like, okay, okay, we can go this way because the beating heart of God is to reach out and not to let everybody know how they are or aren't fitting into his system, but to really save people in any way possible. So it's a fascinating quote. Mm. And yeah, mm. get, get a comfy seat because this it's 45,000 pages. This is Secrets of Heaven <laughs> 3714. The Lord arranged truth in a pattern that would suit the mental grasp and character of people attracted more to teachings about faith than to living by them. So right there, and Swedenborg goes on and on about how you can't just have faith without living. You've got to live in the... But the Lord sees there are some people who are more interested in teachings about faith and living by them. So I'll, I'll throw you a bone. This can yeah. be seen from the word in which truth is arranged in the same way. For instance, people who focus more on doctrines than on life are absolutely convinced that the heavenly kingdom resembles earthly kingdoms in conferring status on people who wield power over others. The pleasure that results is the only pleasure they know, the pleasure of being powerful and important, and they exalt it above any other kind. So the Lord spoke in accord with this appearance in the word. In Matthew, for example, those who do and teach the commandments will be called great in the kingdoms of kingdom of the heavens. And in the Psalms, I have said, you are gods and you are all children of the highest one. Ah, so that's really interesting that uh, Swedenborg's saying even this Psalm that we're looking at today that was just quoted from is in a way trying to appeal to people for whom that would be an incentive. Hey, if I can be divine and have those kind of powers, yeah, I, sure, I'm interested. Tell, tell me, what do I do? What do I do? Where do I sign up? Even this, yeah, the very thing that we're digging into is this accommodation. It's not that the angels are all sitting around and God is saying, you're all gods. And they're like, we're all gods. Like it's some kind of corporate retreat. That's not what <laughs> angels are. God is saying that to us because we like the idea of being powerful. He says, okay, I can lead you by your desire for power, even if it's not that bad, slowly into more and more heavenly things where eventually mm. you'll take up the, the right mindset. But check this out. Even the disciples at first viewed the heavenly kingdom solely as a matter of importance and prestige like that on earth and pictured sitting on the sovereign's right and left. Even the disciples, That's true. Wasn't, wasn't God coming to pick out the 12 most worthy people in the world and and set them above everyone okay i'm god but i'm going to need some upper management a management team that i can delegate stuff to even the disciples had the had it wrong and jesus is saying okay i can i can work with you so when a quarrel rose among them over which of them would be the greatest the lord again answered in a way that met their level of understanding and and temperament 
Mm. You would you would think God, okay, God will will meet your level of understanding, right? God will work with you if you don't understand sure. this, but he's not going to compromise on what's right and wrong. That's what God is. But this is, you know, it's not like in a way that hurts somebody else, but this is him saying, I see that you want to be greater than other people. For now, yeah. I'm going to let you keep that in you, right? Mm. Isn't that amazing. Saying, you will eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. At that point, they did not realize heavenly gratification was not to be found in importance and prestige, but in humility and a desire to serve others. Mm. Therefore, in wanting not to be greatest, but least. Mm. But they they didn't know that yet, so God's not going to rock their world too much. As the Lord teaches in Luke, whoever emerges as least among you all, that one will be great. So people who know religious concepts but do not live a life of love for others cannot see that any pleasure exists besides that which results from supremacy. It monopolizes their minds and constitutes their whole life. And it's not like Jesus never, he, he said right there, look, this is the real way, but the disciples aren't ready to hear it yet. People aren't ready to hear it, so he'll work with you, you know, yeah. where you are, which is just fascinating. Consequently, they are completely unacquainted with the heavenly satisfaction that comes of humility and the desire to help others. That is, with the joy of love for the Lord and charity for their neighbor, mm. and with the bliss and happiness these produce. Why is the Lord trying to get us away from wanting to rule over other people? Is it because he only wants to rule? And he's like, don't, don't encroach on my territory. This is all, <laughs> about, is all about getting us as happy and blissed out as we can possibly be. And you just never can be happy with the, with the promises of the ego. You just never be happy. You hmm. may be for little bits, but never permanently, you know, never long term. For that reason, the Lord accommodated to their weakness when he spoke so that by this means they could be aroused and led to learn, to teach, and do good. All the same, he teaches what uh, importance and prestige in heaven mm. really are. Yeah, that's, so, that, that's just amazing to think about, um, that, that you do need some incentive. So, hey, if I say this, and that means you'll spend years with me helping people, healing people, teaching them, great, whatever it takes, you know, it's like taking kids on a trip and you know they'll actually enjoy seeing this cool bridge or something, but they don't think they'll enjoy seeing the cool bridge. And they're interested in, are we gonna get ice cream? So you say, let's talk about it. We, yeah, probably, you know, and so, okay, for the ice cream, I'll go. Yeah, right, yeah, uh, okay. We'll, we'll do the ice cream and, and by the end of it, you'll realize how great the bridge is. Right. And that's, it's, it's so cool. Um, those, uh, those, these and similar, oh, I was, wait, sorry, before I go forward, this is the thought that occurred to me. So think about the way the Lord is treating people who are in that lower state of mind with your own lower mind, that it's unrealistic to expect, oh, now I've heard about spiritual truths. The only thing I'm ever going to want mm. now is spiritual stuff. Mm. And, and I'm going to be happy all the time with just loving people. And I'm never going to want to feel better than people. You still are, but you can, so we still got to, feed that part of us ice cream. You still got to sometimes do, you know, do things that it enjoys, but right. you just got to, you're moderating it and, and leading it in a direction that's going to become more and more compatible. So just don't expect that, okay, you're never going to feel like now that I've heard spiritual stuff, I'm never going to be upset when somebody doesn't give me credit for something I did. It's a problem. Right. We, we're not there yet, right? Even angels right. Are, never, are never totally free of that. It's a process. Uh, oh, right, right, right. Uh, these and similar examples are appearances of truth on a lower level. We do mm. admittedly become relatively great 
important, powerful, and imperial, since a single angel is stronger than many thousands of hellish spirits. So it's not wrong to say that, you know, you there there is power that we're talking about, but we just left out the humility part for a moment. Right. Well, and, and you know, what's so funny is, not funny, but so something, is that going and becoming an angel, like like not wanting credit, not loving other people, wanting better for them than for yourself, giving all credit to the Lord, everything that comes with that, that gives you everything the ego would ever want. Yes. You end up with being super powerful, and even in the spiritual world, you're super good looking, you have amazing surroundings, <laughs> an amazing house. You, you, you Pleasure just get, and bliss yeah, and, yeah, right. even down to swedenborg saying the, the more you're in heaven the more you have a sense of your own identity the more you feel like right. you're your own person but yeah. you don't want any of that stuff that that's kind of the arrangement it comes into with the lord just heaping loving stuff on you and you saying like oh i don't you know i don't even i'll i'll I don't want this in a sense, but it, but it's humble. Like, I don't know if I deserve this. It's just about the Lord. The Lord wants to give you as much ice cream as you can possibly handle. And it's just about getting you to a place where it won't hurt you, right? Yes. And if, you, if it may, turns you, if it spoils you, if it makes you anti-human race, it can't give right. you anything, right? Right. Right. So, but, mm. uh, but the power comes from the Lord, not ourselves. We receive it from him in proportion to our belief that we are incapable of anything on our own and therefore released. There you go. There's That's the formula. Little... Right there. Yeah. And we believe this in proportion to our humility and desire to serve others. Or in other words, in proportion to the good we do out of love for the Lord and charity for our neighbor. And believe it or not, this being Swedenborg, even though that was a long quotation, we actually edited a little bit. We took out all the Bible references from that passage, uh, but we still wanted to show them to you in case you're interested in really doing a deep dive. So if you want, you can pause the screen and look these up if you wish. You'll find passages there of both kinds, both the kind of humble kind and the, oh, you're going to be great kind. They're, they're both in there. And so now that final verse in Psalm 82, what does that mean? Well, it says, Rise up, O God, Elohim, judge the earth, for all the nations belong to you. And Swedenborg says this means a prayer for the Lord to come and carry out a judgment. So what those nations mean is that Swedenborg often refers to the fact that nations mean people who are in goodness. They're devoted to living good lives. And when you refer to the nations as belonging to God, or speak of nations that belong to God, those are people who are devoted to goodness, and as a result, they have united with God. And that uniting to God is our destiny. This is the goal, destiny that we're all called to, is this angelic state of mind. And if you wanted to put that into a little mission statement, it's seeking truth in order to do good to the neighbor. This is from Secrets of Heaven. You can see that beneficial truth originates in the Lord by considering that the Lord is goodness itself, because he is love itself. From love comes truth like light from the blazing sun. Mm. Truth touched by goodness resembles the light of spring and summer, which holds warmth inside it and brings everything on earth to life, so to speak. Truth untouched by goodness, however, resembles the light of winter when everything on earth dies off. 
The reason gods stand for beneficial truth. Yeah, who are these gods? Beneficial truth is that in a positive sense, they mean angels who are called gods because they are substances or forms designed to receive truth that contains goodness from the Lord. Hmm. They, so it's not that they're nothing. Actually, you, look, you can scour the entire created universe and you're never going to find better forms for receiving the truth that contains the goodness from the Lord. And actually, they're crucial to the Lord doing his work for the human race. You know, I, we were joking before about the electrician and the drill and the stapler and saying, ah, oh, you know, it's not credit to the drill. But without the drill, you know, either the job's not getting done or it's going to take forever and not be as good. I mean, this, in a, in a weird way, it almost allows God to be more powerful, having, you know, yes. crafted us into these instruments. And each one is a different instrument, you know. And so when you're the electrician, you love this particular drill because it can go through three studs at once, or, or you love this particular stapler because it's really strong, but it doesn't cut into the electrical cord. And, and everybody's That's a different right. tool, a different, a different uh, instrument. And you just, just look at, there's one, you know, one electrician in a truck can do something, but you know, recently we had a bunch of trees coming down here and taking all the power lines down. And when that happens, you should see the convoys that roll in and, and the tools mm. that they have to try to deal with that. You could get to do more and more. Okay, mm. so let's, that's a ton of information. Let's take a second here to process and meditate. So let's see if we can take this a little deeper into, you, you know, it sounds corny, but into our hearts. Let's see if we can get this on a feeling level, experiential level. We're talking about becoming gods or angels. Right? And we know now what that means. So we're not going to get the wrong idea. We're not going to get puffed up. But we are going to get a sense of this meaningful, humble participation in God's plan. So being able to receive the Lord's truth is a key component of being an angel. That's like Spiritual light, it corresponds to light that does for our spirit, what light does for the world. Love is this heavenly warmth, and we want to do good things with that energy when it comes to us. So think about that. Think about being that and aspiring to be that as we're going to look at light present in things that it hits, like stained glass windows and the effect of nature absorbing the warmth and light of the sun. So see yourself in it and let it speak to you at the same time.
It's just cool to see it written into real stuff. It's not just words and concepts, that the imagery of it is there. And you can just look out your window, you can go sit in your outdoor space anytime and know that, look, this is a picture of the state we're, we're trying to get into. So, uh, this is that's a lot. We've covered a lot of awesome stuff here. If you had to summarize it, not to put you on the spot, Jonathan, but what, what would you say is the takeaway? Something people can take home with them. Well, what I'm thinking right now is that um, the Lord really desires to give us what we, what our heart desires. It'll take some humility to get there, uh, but he really does want to give us God-like power and wants to give us the circumstances under which that will be safe. So it's very interesting, that paradox of how we need to become more humble in order to become more effective and more godlike. Awesome. Well, that gives us a great compass to go and follow. And we are going to be right here with you, continuing to follow that. We're going to talk about what's going on on our channel. Actually, big changes ahead. We're announcing a lot of big stuff here, and we're going to do that right after we give you a little info on how you can support and make this kind of programming possible. We want the ideas and insights we cover to be available for free to anyone, anytime they need them. As a nonprofit, we depend on donor support to continue to create high quality programming. Any gift you give joins you to the central network of people in the world who make our work possible. You can deepen the significance of your gift by making it in memory or honor of someone special in your life. This could be done as a one-time gift, recurring monthly, or run as a special fundraiser for your circle of friends and family. Go to otle.causevox.com and follow the prompts to make a gift in whatever way is most meaningful for you. Your support helps the ideas in our content reach and nourish thousands of people every day around the globe. We couldn't do it without you. Give if you can, receive if you need. If we cycle through in this way, in the end, everybody wins. Thanks to everybody who has supported us. Uh, it, it means more than the world uh, to us. It, it lets us be useful and put out this material. And it's really you and us doing it together. This is a way that we can let, hopefully, the Lord move out and change people's lives through this stuff. And we're going to keep it up. News from heaven. We got on Thursday, your thinking can move the whole heaven of angels. Saturday, heaven is structured like a human brain. How are you not going to want to watch those? We have our short clips that y'all voted on. Wednesday, our perception of God depends on our state of mind. Friday, how can heaven come to earth? Next Monday, no show. There's a holiday weekend here in the United Mm. States. And we just happen to be making a huge upgrade in the way we're doing things here at Off the Left Eye. There's going to be a whole new schedule. We're actually going to be launching a brand new website that is going to Mm. hopefully provide everybody with a lot more functionality, ways to experience our content, ways to have meaningful pathways through it, and open us up to a huge new audience because we've got the whole world of Google search out there bringing people in. We'll have YouTube and Google together. It's going to be really exciting. And we've got this new content schedule where we're going to try to have everything sync up with everything. You'll be getting an episode. I'll just give you a few brief teasers. You'll be getting a new episode of Swedenborgian Life every single Monday. You'll be having a live experience with us every single Friday. You'll have news from heaven and other cool shows, a new podcast. There's going to be so much going on, and it's all going to sync together. Like You're going to be able to, in a single week, 
really go into a, an idea, see it in all these different formats, and hopefully have it last and stick in you. It's going to be... Are you excited, Jonathan? I'm very excited. It's more content than ever and more coordinated so that you you get sort of a, a daily uh, dip into these these beautiful thoughts in different forms. Yeah, and so the, it's well said. And so the following Monday, uh, from from next Monday, we're going to have our first of these new episodes with a beefed up, updated graphical intro, short clips, all this cool kind of stuff. It'll be the title of it will is "Will We Be Married in Heaven?" Yes. So tune in for that. Uh, that that schedule change does mean this is the last episode of Swedenborg and Life Live as mm. it exists right here. Not that, you know, myself and Dr. Rose and Swedenborg and the Bible Explained won't be having a nice, healthy life with us. Not that we won't be doing interactive stuff with the audience. But this format, this is going to be the last one. And and yeah. I want to say um, thanks to Karin Childs, who has been the principal writer for quite some time for all these episodes. If you're ever amazed at how the points come together, that's her work. <laughs> that's doing her. <laughs> yeah. Thank you to Stuart Farmer who is the tech behind the scenes that is allowing all this to happen and makes it so you can experience it and, and was able to seamlessly guide it through the start of the pandemic. And um, thanks to you, Dr. Jonathan Rose. It's been really cool working through these concepts with you. It's been very, very fun for me. And uh, I remember when you first mentioned the idea to me, I was so excited about it. And it shows that there's a kind of eternity in it because if it stopped after 10,000 years, it would still be too soon. You know, I, That's I, right. I've just I've just loved it. But as you say, all those elements will be present only more so in I'm in the new schedule. I'm very excited about what's going on as we go forward. G give me a hug. Come here. That's been good. Thanks, buddy. Really appreciate it. All right, I hope this isn't too long, man, but I just really appreciate it. Okay. Everybody, we really appreciate appreciate you. Thank you for joining us along this journey. Looking forward to continuing to see you in the new journeys ahead as we bring love and truth into the world and make ourselves more and more into the right instruments to make that happen. Hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week, and thanks so much for joining us. Swedenborg and Life Live is Curtis Childs, host and showrunner, with co-host Jonathan Rose. Live stream tech and graphics by Stuart Farmer and Matthew Childs. Show writing and chat moderation by Karin Childs and Chelsea Odner. Hey, Off the Left Eye community, we're very excited to announce that we're starting a brand new podcast called Inside Off the Left Eye. Every Sunday, starting July 19th, you'll get to come Inside Off the Left Eye with me, Chelsea Odner, to hear exclusive interviews with Curtis Childs and the Reverend Dr. Jonathan Rose as we explore fascinating ideas in Swedenborg's writings and delve into their historical context. Inside Off the Left Eye is your place to get sneak previews and extras of all the content Off the Left Eye produces, as well as to learn all the ways that you can be involved so you don't miss a thing. Subscribe now to Inside Off the Left Eye wherever you listen to podcasts.